Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Humans, unlike some other animals, have a great problem. We die of natural causes instead of getting fucked up by nature. Today we're going to talk about what people in the past have done with bodies, what we do with bodies now, what people all over the world do with bodies. Before we get into it, Mike, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking some vodka, which seems appropriate for this conversation. And, uh, well, at least I'm above ground, Nick. How about you? What are you drinking and how are you doing? Not drinking enough for the early puns, but I got some High West whiskey. Uh, American Prairie Bourbon, and I am excited to talk about dead people. How we get rid of bodies? <laughs> yeah, burial rituals, rites, what ha- what? Yeah, other different cultures. It's a pretty interesting topic. So, I think we're going to start with some of the earliest human burial sites. And uh, Mike, you want to pronounce this one? Uh, which one are we talking about? The one in Kenya. That's seventy eight thousand years old. Oh, I just I just refused and didn't write it down. I just went, Nope, I'm just gonna say it's a cave in Kenya. Uh yeah. I I'm I I know my limitations sometimes. But uh yeah, uh a very hard name to pronounce and seventy eight thousand years old. Scientists did discover in a cave a child, I believe it was two or three year old, that was placed gently into a cave and I couldn't remember if there was artifacts or if it was organic matter bestowed upon the child. But it was very interesting to me because the leading hypothesis for this, like this ritual, this manner of laying your dead, it actually might not come from human beginnings. Some think that other humanoids, such as Neanderthals, well, Neanderthals were uh, giving their dead graves, but it seems like our early ancestors and humans we're watching other humanoids on how they treated their dead, and we followed suit. And so some of the oldest burial sites date all the way back to 120,000 years ago, which is insane. It's extremely hard to fam- to put to context, like how long that is. Yeah, I can't even, can't even comprehend that. So this is, these, uh, th- the oldest known graves in the world are called the Levant Caves, and it's an area from Africa to the Middle East kind of location. And, uh, you know, different sites have been excavated all around there. And normally it's only a body or two per site. I mean, that's a long time to to still be there. But we're still looking and, you know, probably going to continue to find more. And I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, they're no longer going to be the oldest burial sites. But yes, for millennia, People, one way or another, have been burying their people uh, with ceremony. And like in the cradle of life, like we're talking about with some of the oldest, some of them may or may not have what we call a modern or modern is not a good relative term. Modern in the sense of written down, like society started writing things down modern, of having mounds, mounds of dirt or rock to have a marker for their dead before tombstones. Not only to mark the location of the dead, but also to keep scavenger and creatures and grave robbers out. 
because I can't imagine, Nick, of your your friend, your tribe member just got killed by Sabertooth Tiger. You killed the tiger, now you're burying your friend, only to see another tiger come across and eat your friend's corpse. That's got to be a little bit disheartening. Yeah, and the, another reason that, you know, we get rid of bodies is having a bunch of meat lying around next to camp tends to attract predators and there's a lot of reasons why we don't keep bodies with us and jury's still out on exactly why we do this but people have been it's been shown that if you don't dispose of your trash you know if you don't dispose of bodies i mean whatever your flesh whatever you want to call it but uh you will attract predators and so one way to you know just keep all that stuff away from you is not bury your dead, you know, right next to you or, you know, not bury them deep enough that animals won't get to them or keep them away from your camp. It also, so there's, yeah. Yep. It also helps not having a dead body helps keep diseases away from entering your camp. Rotting corpse tends to bring diseases to you. But Nick, you say most people bury bodies and not keep them around. That's not entirely true. Some people, as we get later in the podcast, still keep the dead bodies around. Yeah, and burial is only really common in areas that have plenty of land because you have to be able to dig to bury, you have to have the tools to dig, and you have to have enough moisture to where decomposition actually occurs as a process. Or it can't be too wet. You know, like, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but and there's big flooding in... The south, like New Orleans, bodies from shallow buried graves will get washed up and and down the river. And there's like a spot where people would go to like watch for um, the heads, you know, like bones and stuff to come up through the ground because so much rainwater and the bodies weren't properly buried all the way. You know, I've heard for of bobbing of apples at a Halloween party, but New Orleans takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, I don't think people actually go and try and put the bones in their mouth. Well, depends on the culture. Not New Orleans, but <laughs> depends on the culture. Yeah, as you say, not the French. So we've kind of been talking about some of hinting at some strange burial practices. Uh, you just want to dive into it and get that kind of out of the way because, I mean, that's what we're all here for. Well, let's start with the middle ground. One that people are familiar with but might not know the details, and especially when it comes to other cultures mummification nick i'm not sure if you came across mummification in your research i did i didn't go too much into it because i feel like everyone kind of knows a little bit about it but what do you got for me well everyone knows about the egyptians or if you don't know about the egyptian mummies i don't know what you're doing here but other cultures mainly european and asian have their own sort of mummies in northern europe People used to put people in peat bogs. The bogs, the minerals, the organisms in the lake would actually mummify the body. So I did run into that. Do you think that they knew that they were going to mummify those remains? Or do you think they were just like, get this thing away from me? I think the first couple or get the thing away from me. But then they, I assume that they came to realize like, huh, he's looking pretty good for being dead for 10 days. Another type of mummification, which I thought was extremely disturbing, comes from monks. Uh, if I remember, they are Japanese Buddhist monks. And what they do is mummification while alive. So whether it be they are starting to die, 
or they are doing it for a religious purpose, they start to fast. And by fast, I mean they have pine needles and a little bit of berries and some water till they're pretty much on the verge of death, then dehydrate themselves. And yeah, they the skin becomes taut, their organs shrink up. It's a form of mummification, which I did not know existed because that seems mummification was happened when you die not while you're alive so that one kind of that one kind of messed me up a little bit of wow you are literally killing yourself to make yourself dead body preserve longer so that's like the opposite of people dying in like 17th century england right where these people were killing themselves on purpose and in england they were just not dying, but being buried, semi-dead. <laughs> just the reverse. Uh, every coin has two sides, I guess. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I have for mummification. I assumed most people listening have some familiar, some familiarity of mummification, whether it be shoved into jars in the Central America, or wrapped in linen and cotton in Egypt. Just. Just wanted to throw those two different types of mummification because I uh, was not as familiar with them until I came to research. Yeah, so I mean, mummification is probably one of the most well-known just because of like you know how much how prevalent mummies are and you know TV and movies and stuff like that, and also just how I feel like we all learn about that in like third grade, kindergarten kind of stuff, mummies. But uh, there's some. Messed it's, up stuff. The, the mummy, yeah, some messed up stuff. And we'll get into it later, but something that I came across and I think is still prevalent today is the divergence of of what happens after death. I feel like there's a culture who tries to preserve the body because they feel like you still need it after death, death. And then there's cultures that are like, this thing is useless. And I feel like you still see that today. You know, so some people want to get buried and other people just want to get cremated and you know, ashes tossed somewhere. I feel like there's, you're still seeing that divergence of does my body matter to me after I die? I was going to say, so compare the mummies and the purification of, of making your body stand, you know, the test of time to a few others. I mean, so let's talk about another super famous funeral, right? Be a Viking funeral where, you, and this only applies to higher up on the social ladder people. Warriors and kings. Yeah, where you'd fill a boat with goods and, you know, depending how high up you were, sacrifice slaves to put in the boat too with you, and then a bunch of stuff, and then sail it out to sea and light it on fire. And <laughs> it's interesting because we don't have any... It's a burning boat, right? Like, how? Are, what are we going to find archaeologically? Like, there's no remnants. So all we have are stories of people talking about it, but we have so many people talking about it that we're like, well, it's got to be true. But what they do, like we said, is they fill the boats with riches and send them out and light it on fire. And the reason that it only happens to, you know, the upper social classes, sometimes like a really nice one would be like a 30, you know, foot boat. You'd fit like, you know, 20, 30 people in it. It's intricate carvings. That's all built by hand. Think about the amount of time it takes to make something like that. You're not going to do that for just anybody. 
Yes, very true. And boy, Nick, I feel very snotty, but feel like I got to correct you on a few things. Uh, one, it's a ship, not a boat. Two, um, the Viking ships get huge. I think the biggest one we've ever discovered is it can fit 120 people. Um, 30 and 40 actually might be on the small side. Um, but I thought most of the funerals were just single boats. Like people could just barely afford it. So they'd just be put in like their own little almost like canoe rowboat deal and set out. Well, yeah, that 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 actually that happened a lot. Um, well, one, because you don't want to waste the materials like you said, it's expensive. But a lot of Viking ships weren't just bur- burned at sea. Some of the ships were actually dug, were brought onto land, dragged inland and then buried like a Viking funeral that we all think of the fire, but just on earth and underground. So that's how we know like a lot of artifacts still exist. And then I think from the Icelandic tales, which happened 200 years after the Viking Age ends, is where we kind of get our writings for it because the Vikings didn't really have a, a written language. And killing the slip. I think the, like the something that's interesting, like the best account of a Viking funeral is actually from an Arab like merchant who was there, which is crazy because obviously, you know, there's trade, but... That's not like the cultures you think would be trading for that time. Um, uh, well, I'm kind of a bit of a Viking nerd, so maybe maybe I'm a little bit more expected with that. But like sacrificing animals, sacrificing slaves, kind of common in Viking area because Vikings were a slave economy. They had tons of slaves. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, everyone wants one. It, it's kind of like an ego tisk, Nick. Like a like a mummy. Like a Ramsey the Second made the pyramid of of Giza. Vikings want the biggest boat, but if you're poor, you can't really do it. You're like, eh, I'll take the best one I can get. Yeah, it's funny that you say that about ego because I was watching some YouTube video and some chick was like talking about, you know, how expensive funerals are. It's like, ah, oh, capitalism found a way to like even ruin funerals. It's like, are you kidding me? People have been stra- spending extravagant amount of resources way before we developed a capitalist system. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, it's it's motivated, like you said, by ego, and yeah, you can express that, you know, through money, but it's not the money that's motivating this. We've seen from the beginning of time, higher class people have nicer funerals, and so yeah, we people want to spend more, but it's just like, this isn't a, a capitalist versus Marxist thing. This is just a human thing. This is what we do. Hopefully not to pivot away from you from Vikings to add on to what you said, Nick. One of my favorite ego slash extra funerals was one in the Han dynasty where the members of the court were buried in entire suits made from jade they would cut jade rectangles and weave them together to form a full body suit you know how hard that is probably to do to cut rectangular jades blocks for an entire person's body front and back head to toe of and and weave it all together and you have to do so i imagine they have it ready beforehand and uh nick you might find this hilarious they uh in my opinion they definitely accentuate the cod piece for the jade of the members and and this is in asia correct i believe chinese seems a little bit extra but okay well i figured you know best but you know all right you got me there 
walked right into your trap. <laughs> that was that was that was <laughs> boy. That was uh boy. It, too bad you weren't a grave robber because that would have been an easy one to get you. But if I can, Nick, I want to back travel just slightly little bit because you said for the most part either we want to get rid of the body or keep the body close to us and I, I what i gathered from that conversation was like cremation or uh burial but there's one that is just like they don't really they don't care about the body that is dead and they don't mourn that the body is dead they just like if anything scared that the body is dead now the i'm going to try to pronounce this one the Zoratarians, which is a Zoastrians. Zoastrians. Oh, thank yeah. God. They they believe a dead body defiles everything. It can't touch anything. Like if it touches the earth or fire, it's contaminated earth and fire. So what they do is they raise the dead body to the sky on scaffolding to the vultures. So the vultures can eat it. And even the tools that they use to cut off like the dead's clothes and and other like other things along with the dead body are completely destroyed. Zoastrians, Zoastrians, Zoastrians are a old Islamic culture in uh, Iran and India regions. So that I believe the practice is still alive. I believe that that set of Islamic faith is still alive. So that means they probably are still practicing the culture. Yeah, and I think. There's only one country where they're still allowed to do this. And it's only like, like you can only do it like six people a year or something. It, there's like weird rules about it. Wait, are you talking about just feeding to vultures? Yeah. Oh, there's multiple countries that allow it. I thought it was just like, oh, I can't remember. I want to say, uh, I'm going to mess it up. Well, what I, 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 off the top of my head, I know India, Tibet, um, uh, Ghana, no, not Ghana. Guam. No, not Guam. What's the uh, New Guinea? New Guinea, and then I believe a country in South America. They all allow it. Where they? Okay. Yeah, I thought that uh, that was not allowed. Was that? Oh wait, is that um, the Sky Barrel or is that the Tower of Silence? Uh, Sky Barrel. Well, the both of them are doing that, but the Sky Barrel is the one where it's uh, it's in Tibet where the dead are left outside, sometimes cut into pieces for nature to eat and decompose. And usually they leave it up higher so that it gets kind of eaten faster. Yes. Um, and I think or I might be confusing this with something else. Never mind. I'm confusing with a different burial practice. You wouldn't have to be talking about hanging coffins off the side of a cliff, are you, Nick? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 exactly. I, I'm on the same, we're on the same wavelength today. Well, uh, well, don't worry. We'll come back to mutilating bodies. Let's 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 talk about hanging coffins off the side of a cliff because uh I'll be honest, Nick, this seems like a dumb idea. This reminds me of the second Pirates of the Caribbean's movie where they're hanging in the balls on the side. Oh God, it does. Tribe. It does. It's exactly what I was picturing. I now oh now that you said that that image is burned into my brain. It's all right to describe this for people not listening. This takes place in the Philippines. Now imagine a cliff. This is not a small cliff. I would say, based off the pictures, what you say, two hundred feet, Nick. Yeah, but in the higher that they are, the they believe that the higher your body is, like decomposing or, or being in the casket, the closer you are to heaven. So there's incentive to bring it as high as you can. And these are 
I would say traditional Western coffins that are <laughs> on pieces of board, metal, and rebar, kind of, for lack of a term, stapled to the side of the cliff, which is weird to me because could you imagine walking, sightseeing, seeing that, and seeing the wood decompose and a dead body just falls and kills you? How do you describe that to your loved ones? He died because a coffin fell on him. I mean, I feel like he just did it. No one's going to believe a coffin Well, don't fell walk below it. Don't walk below the death, you know. That's like going and, and digging up, digging in the graveyard for gold. It's like, oh, oh, I just keep finding bones. You know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, to not disrespect the Philippine, this Philippine tradition. Again, this is not all Philippines, just certain uh, Philippines. Uh, it seems I understand a lot of cultures do this throughout history. Putting your the dead body as high as you can to the heavens, to the stars, to the sky. I understand that, but it feels like they could have done a different way than hang it off a side of a cliff in a container that will rot, decompose, and eventually fall. There has to be a whole procedure to clean up dead bodies that fall from the rotting coffins, right? Well, you probably just don't go down there. It's probably just a big dark hole like the one Palpatine fell into at the end of. Uh, Return of the Jedi. It just keeps going. Well, with Star Wars, he crawled out of that hole somehow. So, uh, we don't speak of such things here. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Just making sure. But yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like a place you just don't go. Where I mean, people don't really hang out in cemeteries anymore. We we stop doing that <laughs> anymore. Keywords. Keywords. We used to, but we now we don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just for anyone wondering, um, no, people weren't going to visit uh, their loved ones. They they were just missing grass so much that they went to graveyards to, to hang out in grass. Yeah, people before cars couldn't afford to, like, you know, go for a hike, go out in the forest preserve. We didn't have forest preserves. We, we cut everything down. The only way we could see alive plants was, you know— trees on the the side of the you know yard and stuff and then the only parks we had were graveyards everything else was houses businesses swamps just uh nothing but happiness super depressing times (laughs) well speaking of depressing times nick let's go to cannibalism going back to cutting people up tribes in africa india and south america used to eat their dead fun fact there is the yayomi which still practice eating their dead by mixing ashes with banana paste. Uh, that culture is in South America. And the India, a culture, eats the remains, uh, cremated remains, of floated loved ones down the river, but it's not their loved ones. It's just a cult of cannibals that eat the ashes that others float down the river, which floating down the river, you have to imagine you live there long enough you will know that people are eating your dead one's ashes. Okay, so here's what I don't understand about the eating of the ashes. What the fuck? I've seen so many ashes in my lifetime and never once have been like, you know what? That would be delicious. Like, if you're going to eat people, right, just do it the right way. I mean, don't half-ass being a cannibal. You want a whole ass being a cannibal. Well, some people do that, but just to play devil's ass. But, like, mixing the ash... With banana banana paste. paste. Why? All right. To play devil's advocate, 
If I had to make it an interpretive guess. I... Have you ever seen Ash? Yes. Have you ever put it into your mouth? Not on purpose. I've had Ash fall into my mouth by accident before. Rate the taste on a 0 to 10 scale. Ooh, there's a little... I'll be honest, Nick. It's uh, it's 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 down on the lower end. Now add bananas into that. You know, it's like it's like medicine. You just make banana <laughs> banana flavored ashes. But again, I I just I'm not buying it. I I that's there's a lot of these that I can see. I I can understand, but that's something I just I I can't. I don't get it. I kind of do. Like I it's. I get it as an outsider looking in. I wouldn't fucking do it, but in my because based on like the the tribe in South America still does it is pretty much it's not an untouched tribe, but it's still like a better words a primitive tribe. If I'm gonna guess, if I see ashes and I'm a farming culture, I know ashes make my the grass grow. So maybe the if I eat the ashes, they'll help me grow. Secondly, I imagine it's spirit and strength. How many cultures eat the heart of a of a kill to get grab its state. That's different. Hearts are delicious. It's the same mind. Ash is not. It's the, no. it's the same mindset. Imagine imagine your your loved one and you want them to stay with you instead of, you know, going to you know, watching you from above, but be inside you and with you at all times. So you ha- you 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 devour their essence and and their being. And rather than eat their flesh you just kind of make it quicker and eat the ashes because what that that's not ashes are probably a lot is a lot quicker to consume than a whole body so you don't want to savor the flavor of your loved ones you just want to it's like a pill you just got to take it and be done with it i don't know it might be a whole tradition but it's i i can see the mindset that might arise to how this started of of their spirit their essence their fertility, their growth from <laughs> uh, to rise back from the ashes, from ashes to ashes to dust to dust, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I I get more the tribes who the people who actually eat the the flesh than eating the ashes. I don't know. See, I'm the opposite because I think most animals won't eat their own their own people. Uh, like that's that's very it's a lot of animals won't eat dead think the things that are already dead so eating something that already died and eating your own species well eating your own species can lead to a lot of diseases so i imagine imagine a lot of people know that whether it be educate not maybe not through education but just an inherent biological factor of just knowing if i eat another one of me there's a chance i might get sick that being said, in our cannibalist episode, there are still quite a few people who still eat dead bodies. But it's also, I imagine, imagery. I mean, looking at a pile of ash- ashes has got to be a lot less emotional jarring than looking at a corpse. I imagine that's got to play some factor into it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, man, I, uh, the just the, the, I've been on... Dude, no, wildfires, but on so many wildfires and just getting smoke and ash in my mouth and never once, uh, it just, it hurts my throat to think about. <laughs> so this, this is one that I, I'm bringing in my Western prejudices and be like, I just, I don't get it. Well, hang on. Let so, me, let me, let me, let me combine some things for you together. But first, let me ask you this question. Nick, do you like uh, beef jerky? Continue. Yes. <laughs> well. What happens when you have smoke? If in- you burn the shit out of it. <laughs> well, not 
burn the shit out of it, but actually like slow roast it and smoke it. Well, you get what the uh, Minyamian. Minyamian? Wow. I'm sorry, everyone. This is, there's just so many names and cultures. These are hard for me. The Minyamian region in Papua New Guinea, the Anga tribe smokes their dead into mummies. They are dehydrating their dead into mummies. So a little bit of smoke, a little bit of mummies, kind of turning humans into beef jerky, but it's uh, it's definitely some. You know, I don't understand. All right, Nick, maybe you can help me out. But New Guinea isn't the largest area, correct? It's 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 an island. It's an old collection of islands, but it's it's a small territory. Okay. But there's a lot of odd things, in my opinion, that come out of New Guinea. I mean, we go back to the cannibalist episode, like uh, uh, if you go deep into their history with the, with colonialism, with uh, with farming, it's all weird. But also in New Guinea, the Dani people who live on the west end of Papua New Guinea eat off part, cut off parts of their finger to protect against evil ones, evil spirits when one of their people die which to me is really weird on how two smallish parts to a smallish territory and two parts of that territory have wildly different burial rites and that's not all the burial rites on that island but also it's very weird to me to do so i mean i get it but i don't of doing self-harm to yourself by cutting off parts of your finger to protect yourself from the death imagine if you had like 11 kids well, I feel like that was pretty common. Well, I, I, they did that in Hawaii too. I thought where, like, if you, if you're, I can't remember if his husband or wife, but if one of them, I want to say, if the wife died, the husband had to like take an eye out or something. And then, what's the? Uh, there's definitely a culture where if you died, like if a man died, the wife was killed. So that they could be together in the afterlife or something like that. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of those. But it just it's just so fascinating to me that an island has two, one mummifying their dead and the other cutting off fingers of their dead. And then you have a mix of others of burials, sea burials, et cetera, et cetera, cremation. It's just very, it's just weird. Like they are miles from each other, but they're doing things so differently. I think... Like if we, if nothing ever got developed agriculture wise, I feel like we'd all just be doing the same shit. No, but I, I, these people are farmers. They're not just hunter and gatherers. Like to mummify a body through smoke takes time. You need resources to do so. And so they technically probably started this tradition while the agriculture boom happened. Yeah. So the culture I was thinking of was in India, a widowed uh, Hindu woman would be put on the funeral pyre for her husband and burned alive so that they could be together in the afterlife. That sounds fucking awful. She's a witch! Burn her! <laughs> it is illegal in India now, so you're good there. Let's let's put loose quotations on illegal, because I'll be honest, uh, there's, it's, uh, India... India actually following through on some of the laws is uh, not exactly come through in recent history. So, yeah, I I don't know. It could just be a cultural thing of... I, I just feel like if left to our own devices, we just are going to come up with weird shit like that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. 
It's like, um, oh boy, another fun name. Are you familiar with the Famhadanan? Uh, the Malganese in uh, Madagascar? Just tell me the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's well, the... so many names and it's all, uh, yeah. They're blurring together. Same. Yep. Uh, well, the name I try to pronounce translates to turning the bones. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. The people of Madagascar, they bring bones and sometimes other body parts, but mainly bones, of their dead and ancestors and rewrap the corpse. So if they buried it, they would dig it back up, bring over their dead, and rewrap the bones. Yeah, so each family has like their own almost like uh, catacombs where they keep the rest of their family and then... So do you know how they tell when it's time to go and dig up the or you know rewrap the bones and stuff? I don't. All that I know is that they rewrite the name of that person every time they rewrap. Yeah. So each, uh, you know, whatever tribe, village, culture, whatever you want to call their community, they have an astrologer and the someone in the family, usually like you know the lead or the family, whoever that is, will have a vision of one of their ancestors saying that they're cold and then they'll go to the astrologer and the astrologer will tell them when is the right time to have the turning of the bones ceremony. To me, this seems like a logistic nightmare. It gives me anxiety thinking about it. Of one, what happens if your population grows exponentially? You know how many dead people... What happens if there's a war? You know how many dead people you have to rewrap? And also, like, like the leader of your tribe, what if they, you know... Have visions once a year. You have to do this once a year. How much material that is. That's it's a logistics nightmare in my mind. So I feel like that after a certain amount of time you you stop because they're too decomposed. I don't know. I didn't look into it. Oh, I couldn't really find like how long they continued to do it for each kind of person. Bones last a long time, Nick. I I know, right? But you just you gotta imagine that at some point it's like there's there's nothing here. I don't know, but it's a, it's like a, what two days, one night, right? So they they come in in the morning and they re you know they rewrap everyone, and then it's just a fucking party that night, and then at the end they they bring them back in on the last before the last night, which is definitely like like we talked about the crossroads of. You know, getting rid of a body and keeping a body. And this is, I don't feel like it's kind of that where it's like, all right, you know, we're kind of done, but uh, we'll see you in like five, seven years. Nick, to me, it, it, it might sound odd, but it seems like the most strangest traditions all stem from islands, isolated cultures, where someone in the beginning just said this makes sense and they just stick with it. Because I'm thinking, what, you got the Philippines, you got Papua New Guinea, you got. Uh, now Madagascar, you'll have, I mean, there's, there's people in the island Pacific we'll talk about later that keep skulls. It's just, it seems like, um, other, other cultures started talking with each other on the mainland and decided, oh, that's a way better way to bury your dead, our dead. We're gonna do it that way. And it seems like islands were, they're just isolated where they had one idea and they just stuck with it and never changed. Is it islands or is it the heat? Is it the tropics? Could this be the cultural equivalent of Florida man? Ooh, that is very interesting because we talked about bogs, peat uh, bogs, 
mummifying northern europe but i'm trying to and then burning of the ship cremation but i didn't i'll be honest nick i didn't come across that many northern uh closer to the arctic or antarctic cultures that had weird burial traditions or at least in my opinion weird burial traditions yeah it's just too fucking cold (laughs) yeah one it's it's too cold there's some interesting ones you know where you have more like like in the arctic you can't dig into permafrost so you can't bury any you can't bury bodies and i wonder if i just you'd think on islands you know where you're running out of space is it you know like is that the issue of you ran out of space and you don't know what to do with all the bodies and you have to think of something? I don't know. I don't think it's that because it's just wrapping of the bones. That's a that's a lot of resources to use to wrap people's bones. Like that that to me is it, I I think it's just isolated cultures that, you know, people as individuals are smart, people in a group are idiots. It's kind of like of um not to say these traditions are dumb. Well, not to say that these tradition, like I'm calling these people dumb or anything like that. It's just they have no other opinion, no one to an outside third party to discuss it. It's a generational thing, and it's just like, oh no, it's just something we've always done, so that's how it always will be. Oh, you you fucking globalist, Mike. Well, uh, well, a perfect example of this of how it kind of got flipped upside down is the another island in the Pacific, the Kiribati people, which keep the skulls or it's usually just the skulls, but they have kept other body parts and even some flesh of their dead ones, and they polish them. They 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 the best way to describe it is almost like an urn. You know, keep it clean, keep it dust free, keep it shiny. Yeah, they put so they they bury the bodies for like a few months, and then they go back and just clean up the skulls, and then keep them in their house, which is terrifying. Which is that is. I don't know, like, I, you think about, to me, you think about, like, what I'm going to keep to remember someone by, very rarely is it their skull. Uh, well, have you have you ever it's kept a skull? It's not a non-zero you... number. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but that's different. Hey, but have you ever kept a skull when you've gone hunting? Yes, but that's different. I, I killed that thing. my family member. <laughs> Uh uh-huh, that that's what you tell the cops got it i have plausible deniability by living over thousands of miles from anyone in my family so i think we're good there fair enough fair enough uh but you know how this tradition kind of got stopped right it People was kept stealing the skulls no i if i remember correctly it was by the british when they come to the island and were investigating they thought the tradition was barbaric and they pretty much just forced the people to stop doing this tradition history's party poopers fucking for real well but uh, i'm gonna say what have the british ever done for us (laughs) i was gonna say the germans are probably more party poopers but they built roads (laughs) and the aqueducts besides the roads and the aqueducts it's safe to go outside right now you can go out at night education Uh, going well, straight to hell. Yeah, fuck it. Let's let's go. Let's just jump into the Romans because the Romans also had an odd. I'm talking about ancient Romans. Uh, had a kind of egotistic thing, like much like the Tibetan sky coffins. This is a another showcase of your wealth. Is they had a lot of their graves be next to the roads, 
So as you were going up and down the road, you would see their graves. And the richer people would have bigger, more excrubient graves, able to see, take up more room. And I'm not sure exactly where this tradition stemmed from, but they're not the only one to do it. Uh, but it was just striking to me, because I'll be honest, Nick, when I think of Julius Caesar, I don't think of, you know, when I when I think of graves, I think, you know, uh, the catacombs in, in France. Well, there are also catacombs in Italy, so probably poor example. Or I think of like uh, graveyards or cremations viking funerals i don't nothing of roman death really comes to my mind and it was weird coming across this little tidbit of information again this was only a part of roman uh culture i mean rome stretched a very long time so fads come and go yeah so i don't there's there's just a lot of weird things about death right where people just put stuff in there that's just it's not right or i don't know if it's they're being super super specific so like i saw something and it was like oh you know cicero was the first person to you know talk about or have people plant flowers by uh graves in order to purify it but then the first like flower on a grave site was found like way like ten thousand years before cicero was even like before rome so it's just i don't know Whoever said he was the first to have flowers at his grave is full of shit. It might have been first for their location, their area. That could have been a f- that could have been true. Or maybe the people who first start the trend, like um, you know, jeans uh, didn't really come around into popularity till the late nineteen fifties. But jeans go date back all the way to like the eighteen sixties, eighteen seventies. Yeah, I feel like what they're trying to say is that Cicero. <sighs> Cicero was the first to plant flowers for the exact purpose of purifying the soil after a death. Not that he was the first to plant flowers or use flowers in a burial ceremony, which is just like an oddly specific thing to say, or they're just wrong. So I I don't know. I just thought, I felt like I saw a lot of weird shit like that, where it's something like super oddly specific, but also not true. Maybe you can help me with this because you're more religious than I am. I came across this, and I'm not sure how true it is, but apparently Christians are supposed to be buried with their head to the west and their feet to the east for the coming of Christ when he re-erects. And similar Couldn't to- Couldn't tell you. I'm the, not even the C&E crowd, uh, but the, it sounds more like uh, Muslims pointing towards Mecca. Well, that that's why I was confused because like, in Islam, you're also supposed to be buried facing towards Mecca, which I'm not sure if those got mixed up in the history books, those took from each other, if they have the same idea, but it's just it's just weird because like the reason why I bring it up is because we were talking about Rome's on uh, graves on the side of the road is because Christians, they used to do the opposite effect of the Romans. And by by Christians, I mean I'm talking like 1200s and up. So we're like middle e- medieval ages. So the Christians, medieval ages, they used to, if you were like a an undesirable people against the faith, you know, uh, suicide, they would bury you upside down or cut off your head and bury you at crossroads. So in 
Roman times with the ancient Romans being buried by the road for a moment was a fad. But during Christian times during medieval ages, being being buried by a road was bad. I mixed up the bad with the bad, which this is this is there's so many so many different ways to get rid of a body, Nick. Yeah, and it's it's funny how we do things like that, right? So the I mean, it probably comes from a similar place, but in Islam, like if it's a bad person, you bury him, you know, f- face down or not pointing towards Mecca. Like the little things we can do after you're dead to just be like, fuck you. <laughs> Showed you. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe we liven up this party a little bit. We talked about New Orleans a little bit, Nick. Do you want to want to play some smooth jazz and start the party in New Orleans? I have no idea where you're going, so I'll just let you take us there. Wait, do you not know about the jazz funerals in New Orleans? I do not. We found one <laughs> that we didn't We didn't both find. We're not thinking of the same thing for once. Wait, this is weird. Because I knew about this way before doing and researching on, you know, different types of burials. Wow, I'm my mind hurts a little bit. So for those unfamiliar in New Orleans and other parts of the world, um, their death is a mix between Haitian and French, and it's pretty much party in New Orleans at a funeral. So the best way I can describe it is sometimes they they hire marching bands, they have jazz playing, they they'll prop up the dead in their coffin. They'll hand them bottles or cigars or nice things, and they'll dance, sing, drink, party. It's like a, it's quite literally a jazz party. And I'm very, this is just blowing my mind that you don't know about this. I mean, I know people in New Orleans will use any excuse to party. So, I mean, it's not surprising to me, but I'm not from the South. So I don't, I don't know these things. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's just odd to me, but it's, um, yeah, no, it's like a it's a big deal. It's been a very old tradition that I think is still somewhat practiced even to this day. Like I oh god, I it's been in movies, it's been in different cultures. It's 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 not just Haitian and French, but it's just New Orleans and assassins. Uh but yeah, no, um the New Orleans jazz funeral is uh grab the whiskey bottles, grab some cigars and throw on the tunes and let's have a party now how does that compare to funerals in taiwan well that was a great transition well i think i think the how i think uh the jazz part jazz funerals in new orleans are more like a house party and the taiwan funerals are a little bit more like the club and nick why don't you tell us about those taiwan uh, funerals so they're not completely allowed, but they happen anyway. But in Taiwan, that they talk about a celebration of life. The funerals, it's supposed to be a big party. And the bigger the party, you know, the better the person is kind of thing. Just like any burial rites, the more money, the more resources you throw at it, the better chance you have getting into heaven, the better person you are, the whole thing. But there's some weird laws about... In the past, I forget exactly what year, but uh, strip club isn't the right word, but I don't think brothel is either. But strip clubs, no, I I can't remember exactly. But party girls, sure. But the 
clubs would rent out dancers and you would get like half off if it was for a funeral or, or some shit like that. Anyway, over time, it became a cultural thing to have exotic dancers at your funeral. So as time goes on, now it's just a thing that happens. Then the dancers will dance, you know, take off their clothes, dance on the guests, dance on the deceased. It's a whole thing. There was a mayor of some town in Taiwan. He had like 52 dancers and they came in on like a semi truck like it was <laughs> the craziest shit couldn't get away with that in the united states tell you what grandpa died how he lived surrounded by strippers yeah but they go all out like they they hire bands they put on neon lights it's honestly it looks like uh one of those like traveling carnivals nick the ones like that come around that you know the carnivals that just take yeah, up the street and they block. have like games and gambling like all sorts all the all the fun shit it's just a huge party <laughs> we can combine cultures uh knock over the cans get a body part I, we, yeah we should do like a a through trade like you can keep something we'll take the strippers at funerals you know like a draft a draft of funeral practices like we'll we'll, we'll give you cremation if you give us strippers <laughs> I think that's a that's a fair trade there of a new tradition that kind of livens up the dead. Nick, I don't know if you came across in Ghana the fantasy coffins. No, and I, I'm afraid to ask honestly. <laughs> Actually, I I'm okay with. I think this would be good in any country or any time period. So in Ghana, mainly Atana Oko and Kane Kui, some and others. What they did is they designed coffins to mimic other things other fantasical things so instead of a normal pine box they were shaping coffins in the shape of planes of cars of trees of fish they're making the coffins into artwork so to speak even so much that people have come down just to take pictures of their coffins and their their craftsmanship but it was kind of like uh say say nick you're a big fisherman and you want a coffin, they would make you a fisherman's coffin. Maybe design it to be like a boat, maybe design it to be like a fish. And that kind of livens it up a little bit. Not to not to take anything away from the strippers, but strippers might not be appropriate at a funeral. I mean, that really just depends who you talk to. True, touche, touche. But uh, this one seems very neutral, where it's it's still brightening it up. But, you know, I don't think... I don't think a coffin that was designed to do of like something you liked or loved would necessarily offend anyone. Like design a coffin to look like a Viking ship or a coffin to look like your favorite sports car or a Viking or a coffin to look like a piano or something. I feel like that's a very neutral kind of new custom for funerals. Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of just a rip off of the totem poles. Oh, God. Are you talking about the Native Americans? I mean, we can. I feel like we've talked about so many random ones. I was going to get sure. I want to get away from that more into like not just naming random cultures. But yeah, I mean, totem poles that we all see, they put uh, their dead in the top of there to decompose on the top of the totem pole. And kind of similar to this, you know, it's it's made a year. It's It takes a year to make. And then the person's put in after a year in a hut and then they decompose in there but it also gets stolen and 
doesn't get stolen, but for a long time people would try to steal. Uh, I mean, grave robbing is is surprisingly Rampant. common. Like just a su- a surprising issue. I didn't think it was as widespread as it is. So, but yeah, I mean that's. I feel like that's uh, just kind of a rip off of that, but not a rip off. I mean. I don't know, like, people get super defensive about, oh, like, this is how my culture did it and you can't do it. It's like, who can sit and tell someone, no, that's, you can't do that to your body after you die? I don't know. Who, like, who the fuck cares? Well, at, when we get later, I'll tell you about the U.S. government and what they have to say, because, boy, there's a lot of rules on, uh... They do, they do have a lot to say. <laughs> well, swishing up a little bit, kind of walking away from flesh dead bodies... Which is a weird sentence to say. Uh, switching to cremation a little bit. One that I actually enjoyed and I thought was kind of reassuring is uh, a tradition in South Korea of turning ashes into beads. So your loved ones, they would, you know, take the ashes and form into a bead and they can add color or symbols or whatever they want to it. And you could have it almost like a um, prayer bead, which I thought I felt like that was kind of wholesome. Especially when we just talked about putting a rotted corpse on top of a totem pole. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to do something with it. I mean, I've seen, uh, yeah, people are turning, taking the ash and like turning it into fake diamonds and stuff as, as well. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you want? Here's a question, Mike, kind of get a little bit away from this. What do you want your loved ones to do with your body after you die? Well, currently, my will and testament has me burn me and spread me into the Atlantic Ocean, which is technically illegal, but, you know, fuck huh. The smaller of the oceans? The coldest of the oceans. That's not true. The, the Pacific is colder. No, it's not. The fine. Arctic probably is. All right, yeah, all right, fair enough. All right, fine. The most volcanic of the oceans. I also feel like that's not true, but I don't know enough to say for sure. Okay, right. fine. I'm sorry then- I'm shitting on how you want to go out. It's fine. It, it's 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 fine. I'll be I'll be honest. If anyone shows up to my funeral, it'll be a fucking miracle. Uh, but I don't know. I I came across this with kind of combining of stuff, which is not terrible, but I don't want to do it. So all right, I honestly, it's either you send me to space or you send me to the ocean. I got. I'll be honest. Those are my two things. Not a big fan of land, huh? Eh, I don't know. I guess not to sound has has its uses. Not to sound too mopey, but I don't know. It seems like with the ocean and space, there's no cage. You can fly. You can be free. It's it's a horse finally out of its stable, able to run fast as you want. And on land, it seems more rigid, less dynamic, more structure. And I don't... I have enough of that in my life. I don't want it when I'm dead. An interesting one is... I don't know if you came across internal reefs... Oh, I did come across that. I thought this was really kind of cool. What they do is they turn ashes and mix into concrete and they make them to reefs and put them in the ocean so that nature can flourish. I wonder if they got their idea premise of like, you know, using a dead body as a fertilizer for a tree. I don't think we've discussed that yet, but that was another thing I came across. No, Mike, are you just bringing up trees now? Do you think that's your fucking job? Well... (laughs) <laughs> all right fine carry it away then yeah i mean i'd i'd come across this not for researching this but i'd heard about it where people will turn your ashes and kind of put it in with a seedling and then you can go and plant 
that seedling somewhere and the tree that comes out of it is grown by the ashes of said person so it's kind of like they're continuing to give back which is I, I feel like very like a more expensive and complicated process of the sky burials where the birds just eat your body and you give your body back to nature which is I feel like coming back around like I feel like that's the new thing people are you know we I feel like we went from a phase in the United States of you know, embalming cemeteries, and now we're turning more towards cremation and just go back to nature. Okay, keep going. Before we get too far, one, uh, we are talking about different trees, Nick. Uh, the ones I'm thinking about are dead bodies, like made into pods with for like a tree. Yeah, like, is, they're not ashes, not at all. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, oh okay ashes and bodies same thing good to know that in your book uh it's all fertilizer well true true and secondly um since you were mentioning on how we're slowly switching from uh burials to cremation in the united states well according to the national funeral directors association cremation is growing and they suspect by 2030, 71% of the population will be doing cremation in the United States. I 100% believe that. I feel like everyone I talk to, all my friends are like, oh yeah, you know, burn me up once I'm dead. You know, there's no use for this body. I feel like that's a very common thing now. It's kind of going away uh, of the keeping the body around. Uh, what do you think? I think... You can symbolize it rather than using the body. I, I don't think the chemicals we're using, like formaldehyde, to keep corpses is the uh, the best solution for our planet or for our dead. But, I mean, it, I think a lot of people are now a little bit more cynical on death. Like, there's less rituals around surrounding death. So I, the importance of our death have also diminished because the ceremony of it has diminished. Uh, a good example of this is um, in ancient Egypt. I think it was Egypt. It could have been the Sumerians. Uh, certain religions, they would make passports and instructions to navigate the afterlife. They would, you know, say like, hey, you have to go over this river and stuff like that. And one, it's kind of cool to me and weird to me that you're making a letter for a dead person, but... I'm thinking of modern cultures where, like, what, we give them a suit and sometimes we put their watch on or I don't know. Okay, so this is something I, w I wanted to talk about, too, is one thing that is big that I noticed is how many ritual practices are preparation for a journey from, like, the Egyptians with the passport to was the Hall of Truth. That's what they called it. Yeah, with where they got their fe the uh, the heart weighed against the feather. Yes, and to just um, you know the ferry to pay to cross the river sticks. Yeah, putting the eyes for the for the ferryman. Yeah, and coin on the eyes. I mispronounced that. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like that's another big diversion in in burial rites is how many people how many cultures view death as the end of life versus cultures that view death as the beginning of the afterlife was kind of another theme that i kind of saw yeah yeah it seems like the cultures that thought death was the end kind of sacrifice uh, this is just a objective kind of blanket statement but the ones who saw death as the end 
would kind of give up the body to be recycled into the earth, into nature, to be eaten or rotten away or something like that, or a piece of them kept, while ones with a heavy afterlife feature kind of prepared their tombs, their graves, their that they had a lot more ritual for after death. I didn't think about that, but that's, wow, that's, you might be onto something there. What do they say about blind squirrels? <laughs> uh, they occasionally find a nut. Kind of going back to some more modern stuff. Um, Japan has started to have a modern cemetery. Uh, I don't know if you came across this, Nick, but because, well, Japan's an also an island and they are running out of space and having more dead people, they need somewhere to put the bodies. So what they've done is they created a wall, a wall of mural boxes filled with the ashes of their loved ones. And on these boxes have names or QR codes engraved on them. Oh, that's slightly depressing. That's really weird. But it would be interesting to go visit a loved one, like your great-great-grandfather, someone you never met, take your phone, scan their QR code, and get their life story. But at the same time, it's really weird to think like a QR code on a gravestone. It's just like, uh, I don't want to say bad taste, but it kind of feels like it's bad taste. It's, I'm, it's not for me, but I'm happy for others. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who cares what happens to me, you know, after you die, right? So it's like, should we have a digital collection of stories? Yeah, probably. Does QR codes seem wrong to identify a person's life? Yeah. But is that that much different than just, you know, a cross with some dates and a name on it? Probably not. I don't know. I I feel like it's, in theory, it's the same, but it just seems a little wrong. But what are you going to do? Well, we could just go full on sci-fi and send our bodies into space, like the company Celestials and Helium that launch human ashes into space. Or we can go complete, complete sci-fi and go to cryogenics, Nick. Ah, uh, Walt Disney. Walt Disney and James Bedford. James Bedford was the first frozen body in 1969, 67, if I remember correctly. And uh, cryogenics, which is having your body flash frozen for storage, is uh, still going on, Nick. I did not know that was still going on. I felt like that was a fad that, uh, but I guess, I, I guess not. I guess that's a, another way for you to have your body taken care of in the funeral aspects is being flash frozen and that's that's going to keep your body maintaining uh, maintain your body for a long time right yeah they imagine keep going it to... frozen like where do they store these bodies uh someone... is walt disney building a secret army we need to know about uh if it is it would probably be in arizona because i know a lot of cryogenic labs are in arizona that seems like the worst spot for a cryogenic lab am i an idiot uh well, there's a lot of rocks, so you can bear you can you can do a structure underground, and it's very stable because it's it's uh uh the the thermal transition doesn't happen as easily. I mean, that just seems like you're asking for problems. Like, let's put all our frozen dead bodies in the, one of the hottest fucking places on Earth. Well, another way to say it is, put let's put all our bodies in a place that has a climate that's pretty much the same all year round and no changes. Tomato, tomato, I guess. True, true, true. 
that's that's a weird one to me. That seems super extra. I like just that. I'm just trying to picture if for some god reason someone wants who's to... doing that Bond villains Bond <laughs> villains are doing that <laughs> Doctor Evil Austin Powers now that you think about it <laughs> uh, God we're we're on the same wavelength today one million dollars <laughs> that's not a lot of money anymore <laughs> oh, so true but it's just weird to me thinking that just say like I flash froze myself and i don't know 200 years later some ancestor of mine comes to visit me and my i still kind of look like me i don't like that like it's it's just it doesn't seem right imagine getting unflash frozen and just getting picked on by the superhuman cyborgs that are the future of humanity well they need a new slave is that what you want well Glad you signed up for that when you flash froze yourself. <laughs> that or everyone's dead. I mean, you're, that's just... Is it Futurama? Yeah. Uh, idiocracy as well. Interac- yeah. <laughs> and see, no man, just being frozen doesn't seem, doesn't work out well for a lot of people. That I feel like there is a lot of similarities, though, between freezing yourself and all the cultures that think the death is like the beginning of a journey, right? Like crossing the river sticks or being unfrozen. It's just a continuation, the next phase of your life, I guess. Yeah, well, I imagine that all stems from a lot of people just being absolutely terrified of death. Probably. But Nick, what happens if you're scared to go to the funeral? Well, I have a solution for you. There's a funeral in the United States. There's a funeral practice in the United States, which I didn't know about until researching this. But they are drive through funerals. I don't know if you came across them. I have simultaneously so many and so little words at the same time. So, if I remember correctly, drive through. Please tell me this was like a COVID thing. It started before COVID, but has picked back up because of COVID. So, uh, from what I can tell, it started in the late 1980s. And the reason why this started was because gang members were so scared to go visit their, go to a funeral of where when their fallen comrades were because there would be a drive by and kill more of them. That they decided to have a drive through funeral so they wouldn't get shot while at the funeral. Now, this practice is still done in Los Angeles, Michigan, and I want to say somewhere else. I think it's a Midwest state. Could be St. Louis, could be Ohio. I don't, I don't remember. Could be Gary, Indiana. We don't know. <laughs> well, Spoiler alert, it's probably Gary. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyhow, these drive-through funerals, which are, boy, the imagery of like when researching this, the pictures they use, not the most flattering images, um, has actually increased during COVID times, which makes me sad. But it's really weird to think that getting a Happy Meal and going through a drive-through are like the same fucking thing. <laughs> it worked for fast food. Why can't we do it? It's uh. Boy, Nick, I'll be honest. This is probably my least favorite out of all of them. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Now, definitely for me, banana ash paste <laughs> is the lowest one. But, but, the, but then it's drive-through. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, spe- Tangent, uh, speaking of wake, do you know where the term wake comes from? Well, not speaking of wake, but speaking of funerals in the U.S. I do Do you not. run into that? 
Okay, so I always thought it was like wake, like a person, like the wake of the person who left, you know, like a boat has a wake, what it leaves behind it as you go. It's actually getting back to uh, England, burying people who were alive. The wake was supposed to be a huge party, a very loud party, and the purpose was to be so loud you wake up the dead person because sometimes people just get so sick or whatever that everyone thinks they're dead. But on this big party, it's so loud, it's supposed to bring them out of their, you know, whatever state they're in. And so that's the purpose of the wake. That's why it's called a wake. Nick, I'm going to be honest with you. How often do the British bury people alive? Because this is a fucking huge problem. <laughs> like, they, like they have wakes. They have bells on their coffins. Like, what the fuck are the British doing? Right? Like, can we... Every time I ran across something where they're like, yeah, and we did this in case we buried someone alive. It's like, is anyone checking? Is anyone checking <laughs> to see if these people are dead? Yeah, I uh, I don't so, think so. Two things. I, one... I feel like this could be like the first fear infomercial, right? Like you just get all this these ads and I have no idea the real reason, but this this is my my thought. People are talking spreading rumors about oh so and so got buried alive and everyone's like, "Wait a minute. I don't want to get buried alive. I want one of those those noise machines that I can <laughs> get out of my grave." They had so so obviously the most famous is the bell, right? You Rope goes down in the grave, tied to your arm, shake your arm, rings a bell on top. They had breathing tubes. They had a hand crank inside the coffin that you would move it and it would crank up the earth and disturb the earth and to allow more airflow. Like, guys, the, the idea isn't we should be focused less on how the buried dead people get out and focus more on how do we stop burying alive people? Like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like there's a swing and a miss there. The English were like, we keep burying these people alive. What do we do? It's like, oh, well, we have to make sure these people who get buried alive can get out. It's like, no. <laughs> Let's just stop That's, burying alive well, people. Take a break. Get to the root of the problem. Man, I feel like Saw got some of its inspirations for its crazy fuck-up deaths from just the English. I mean... <laughs> I just picture an English barrel. They're out there and like, oh, this person's lighter than a duck, so they're dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is this is way out of life left field. But you know who's really good at not burying their dead, Nick? Cannibals. <laughs> that well, yeah, that's that is true. I can't deny that. But I was going to say elephants. Elephants are better than the British at graves. I have a whole list of animals who are better than the British at graves. <laughs> oh, God, uh, world conquest, they got it. Telling if someone's alive or dead, <laughs> nah, bro. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, the reason why I say elephant, the elephants were the most fascinating to me because elephants may or may not have grieving, mourning funerals. We're not 100% certain. Like, we think they do, but it can't. we can't be certain. Like, elephants apparently raise their foot over their dead and will visit their dead. And one I thought was very interesting was Anthony Lawrence, a.k.a. the Elephant Whisperer, was a man who dedicated his life to saving animals. He died in 2012, and the in the days of his funeral, 
two herds, two different herds, walked 12 hours to his home where they were having the funeral and stayed there for two days. Ah, uh, to me, that how, uh, what? That, how is that not a funeral? How, how are the animals not having a funeral? And also, that's fucking badass, in my opinion. To be such, to be such a G with elephants that they come to visit your grave, your, your death. Yeah. So, elephants, uh, apes is another one I saw that I, I, I didn't see about visiting the burial site, but I did see of not burying, but covering with sticks another a dead ape as well and then another one that i saw was ants but that was purely for like dead ants in the nest are bad so they remove dead ants from the nest yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't count the ants then that's not a ceremonial burial but boy i'm just jumping around here a lot sorry uh stop me whenever you like but once well, it- if we're jumping around can i go back to the english sure let's shit on the english i like shitting on the english Okay, their history is China. So, Mike, what do you think is an effective way to figure out if someone is or is not dead? Uh, check a pulse, put a mirror underneath their nose. Uh, How about blowing smoke up someone's butthole? <laughs> sounds like what you're trying to do to me right now. Richard Mead hey, blew Nick, tobacco just, I, smoke. I, I just want to say you might want to delete your internet history after. This episode, <laughs> not the worst thing it's seen, uh, but also a good call because we've been googling a lot of death. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, um, but yeah. So man, how do we tell if someone's alive or dead? Blow smoke, tobacco smoke, like the smoke you're thinking. Put it up their ass as an enema. What is the purpose of like I how how to, would this tell if you're alive or dead? How would this help you tell if they're alive or dead? I, I'm just gonna repeat what they did. So they used <laughs> <laughs> So you know those things like the that um uh, you kind of com- oh man the bellows like for a fire yeah. where it blows air. Okay, so that tied to smoke in it in a tube and it goes into your ass. It, in 1746, a man's wife was brought back to life by a tobacco pipe that was put in her butt, and he covered the end, the other end of the pipe with his mouth and resuscitated her. This this sounds like she was into anal less than she got <laughs> brought back to life. Yep. Um, another way is pinching the tongue, you know, pulling, trying to, you know, fucking with their tongue. So you you know, pull it out, pinch it. Pour alcohol on it, put lem- like v- lemon, you know, it's the English, so vinegar, big one, obviously. Whatever happened is just like, like you know, slapping them, pouring a glass of water on them, you know, checking a pulse, whatever. What, what, just, what happened to common sense, Nick? Okay, we're getting closer to that. Electricity, you may have heard of it. I, I think I've heard that term before. Okay, and now put that into a human body. <laughs> is it up the butt again? <laughs> No, this is this is a different Englishman. <laughs> I imagine all these being the Englishman. He's just doing all this butt stuff. <laughs> the English, little known stereotypes. The English are really into butt stuff. <laughs> we don't talk about that enough. Uh, obviously, since not too long ago in English history, uh, 
trying to uh what not narcan what is the word it's a gas that stops pain narcotics no ner- not nerve gas um no <laughs> the opposite of that <laughs> <laughs> John uh, Snow, English physician. We talked about this <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, causing pain to people to <laughs> see if yes. they were dead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in 1816, the stethoscope was inve- invented for hearing pulse. And after that, there was a little bit less unconfirmed death. Now, the thing with all the uh, the safety coffins, like the bell and shit, it never actually saved anyone. So I, I think it has a lot more to do with people were just scared of being buried alive. And there is a very effective advertisement going around. Yeah, I, I was going to say those, uh, those funeral homes definitely saw their marks and definitely, uh, definitely were really good salesmen. No shit. But that's, so I, I guess that's a point towards the English that they weren't actually burying people. Who were alive, dead? They were just blowing smoke up their ass. I I hate you for that so much, but I respect it. <laughs> yeah, uh, boy, Nick, you learn something new every day, and I uh, don't know if I'm smarter or dumber for it. There's another one I want to talk about, which we were talking about. This is a lot smarter or at least has more viability than anything the British were doing. We already kind of have it in America and up many other countries, in fact. I think it's called a cento... Fuck me. A cenotaphy, which is a... I probably mispronounced that wrong. But it's a monument of an empty grave to represent someone buried or other people buried somewhere else. We have it as the... Wow, did I drink too much? Uh, Nick, help me. Tomb there. of the Unknown Soldier? We have in the United States as the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, but we also have the 9-11 Memorial, which is to honor a group of people, honor individuals who we may or may not ever know. They might be lost forever in time. But I saw some interesting comments and ideas about it of perhaps we should use more mass graves and just have one monument or like one pillar of ash to represent a bunch of people rather than keep having more and more space filled up with people. It's interesting. I don't know if I agree with it. I mean, hell, again, going back to the catacombs, they literally used all their dead bodies to prop up the city from falling into a marsh. The catacombs, almost, uh, the catacombs so many different skulls just aren't an individual anymore. They represent a, a time, a period, a, a group of people. And the tomb of the memorials, perhaps they can do that again, or perhaps more of that in society and it was interesting it i don't know if i agree with it or disagree with it but it did make me think a little bit of maybe we should have a collective grave rather than a individual grave i would rather just be burned and not be put in a mass grave i feel like that's no i'm talking what what happens if we burn you and you just put all and they just put all the ashes together i mean it wouldn't matter to me but i think the spreading of the ashes somewhere illegal is important for the rest of my family to to uh to get closure and i I think that's what a lot of the death ceremony is it's for the people who are still there and i I think we're definitely at a crossroads as a society where it's like we're trying to do like the environmentally conscious greener thing but we also want to retain our individuality 
And I feel like some of that would be lost by putting everyone's ashes in the same place, even though it might be the right thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that. And, and mostly because I kind of feel like, and, and it could just be the culture that I was brought up in, but, you know, we talk about like morality and what's right and what's wrong. And look at, you know, how many war crimes talk about mass graves like there's something inherently wrong that we know of just putting a bunch of bodies in a spot it just doesn't seem right well to play devil's advocate that's because a lot of those people are unknown but if you look like the uh vietnam memorial some of those bodies never made it back but that still represents those people who died there so i guess mass grave associated with crime memorial to to represent honor i guess so maybe maybe st- take a step back from a mass grave and say collective grave or something. Yeah, I don't know. Still not a huge fan. I mean, it's just uh, I don't think anyone would say the Vietnam Memorial is a good enough reason to to not you know have a grave, have an individual grave. I'm I'm not saying it is. It just thought I just thought it was very interesting opinion. Like again, I I don't know how I feel about. It. I just think it's very interesting that it was kind of a collective grave. It was very interesting thought process to me, and I never asked Nick what is what 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 are we doing with your body when you die? Oh, I'm uh, either going uh, being my ashes are being put on the last tree I plant or out in the ocean. Okay, so making sure Pacific your ashes get fishing. snorted by a hooker. Got it. Hey, it all ends up in the same place, right? <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I. I, assume I you think Pacific that ashes, ocean, yeah, obviously the Pacific, Mike. It is this far superior ocean. You can uh, suck my dick. It's bigger. Yeah, mine is bigger. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I, I seriously do think that what happens to my body is more for the people who I leave behind than it is for myself. Obviously, I want certain things, but I really don't care, so... <laughs> Can we blow smoke up your ass when we didn't confirm you're dead? You fucking better. If I'm still alive, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate to pull the race card, but if there's any English people trying to determine if, if I'm alive or dead, just... <laughs> I'm gonna request a new doctor. Someone better. It's gonna be on my... What's the what's a attorney? What of would health. you call that? It's not a DNR, but like a make sure this guy is not English. <laughs> I, I don't know. Check his fucking teeth. <laughs> NTE, not the fucking English. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was trying to do like an NFT, not fucking tea drinkers <laughs> thing. But, but anyway, no, I I completely agree with you. Like a, like a huge reason of why you wear certain things to funerals like for westerners wearing black black is a symbol for mourning for westerners uh in eastern asia wearing white white to represent symbolization of rebirth in south africa uh red is mourning uh in china red is actually outlawed from being near funerals because red is supposed to be symbolized of like courage and honor so each culture has their own colors their own scheme but that, you know, a traditional wear, you know, uh, some words, some right passage, leaving some items. I mean, I think the earliest items in 
funerals and graves were rocks, but they flowers eventually came to be, or flowers were there as they just withered and died. Some symbol to represent the dead. That's always been a rite. That's always been a ritual. That's I think perhaps I think it's about I think it's a fifty fifty mix, Nick, to be honest with you. I think the funeral is half for the person because of ego building this big ceremony and half for the other people of a mourning process to know that they are gone but not forgotten. Yeah. I'd uh I'd agree. And I mean it's a there is no one that seems better, right? I mean, I think it's different to all these ones because it's like so individual to each culture, but also there's no one that's that's right. And it's because, I mean, we're never going to be like, yep, this is this is okay that this person left. It's just not going to happen. So, I don't know. It's just a... It's also odd that there are, in a lot of countries, laws and regulations on hand to handle a dead body. A lot of cultures' traditions are illegal in some of the countries that they are practiced on and the united states is no different united states uncle sam is heavily involved with your dead body it seems like the government's fucking you even after death that checks out i believe it that's how we check for death in the united states uncle sam comes for real like in the united states uh you can't do any mutilation which kind of makes sense you have like you have to have death certificate you have to have all these licenses all these fees you have to be certified you have to notify the government it's just it's just odd to me like it makes sense if at the same time it doesn't like if you're dead you're dead there's not really much you can do with it like people donate to their bodies to science to get cut up so why can't you know <laughs> billy and cindy cut up your body uh i it's just it's just, uh, it seems like if you just wear a lab coat, you get to do more whatever you want than compared to anyone else. And it's just also weird that Uncle Sam has a say on how your body's handled when you're dead. It's, it, I don't know why. It just seems like a death is a very personal thing and should be dealt with the individual who died and the loved ones around them and no one else. So when others get involved, like an agency, that seems very odd to me. Yeah, so kind of talking about that so with kind of the whole green back to the earth movement in the u.s people are you know they want their burials to be environmentally friendly and a lot of people have talked about how environmentally friendly like sky burials are with the vultures and so i ran the numbers of the amount of blm land versus the amount of people who die every year and it'd be about 3.6 people per square mile of BLM land. By BLM, I mean Bureau of Land Management, which is one of the largest federal land-owning agencies in the U.S. Between that and the Forest Service and Park Service, that's then you have the military, but we're probably not going to go burying people on military bases or just having them sit there to decompose. Or maybe we are. I don't know if that's what we're into, and that's what We actually into. do. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I mean, like, you know, people want to go back to like straight... Either bird food or fish food. Bird food or fish food, right? And so to me, because I was just thinking about like out in the woods, how many dead animals do I run across per square mile? And it's probably like three to six of of naturally dead animals. Obviously, you're going to... You can tell an animal that died naturally versus an animal that was killed because... If all the the meat's gone and it's full, you know, it's the skin's there and certain bones are missing, 
You can tell when a hunter killed it versus when a cat or something else killed an animal, which I feel like you could do. Now that's in various stages of decay. So if you were to put four people on a square mile of land, that I think that'd be too much to let everyone just decompose naturally. Not even considering that most, a lot of that BLM land is also in the desert where there's little to no decomposition. I mean, there's no moisture, so de- decomposition's super slowed. So it, I don't think you could do a, a what's it called? Well, a why, sky why, burial here. Why don't we have to have them on the surface? Why can't we just bury them in the ground with no chemicals and just public land and just let the bodies... Well, of course, then comes the issue of hiding bodies because that seems like a really great place to hide a body is a place where they are purposely decomposing bodies in the public and open. I think the ocean's probably the better place, right? Oh, yeah. Ocean's 100% the better place. But, you know, are there any laws about internet in international water of dumping bodies? Can we just, like, start... I mean, we already dumped plastic in the ocean. Can we just start dumping bodies in the ocean? I don't know. Ask Bin Laden. Damn. Got him. Got him. So, yes. I mean, burial at sea has been, like, a big big thing for a lot of cultures i don't know i mean i well you know how they do it on cruise ships right uh i have no idea i'm not a cruise guy and i'm never going to be gotcha well they have their own morgues do they really they they put the body in freezers to bring it back to shore and then it handles from there like cruise ships if you die they the cruise the party keeps on going damn they are little cities holy shit (laughs) yeah that's fucking insane they have their own morgues yeah, yeah. Uh, they have their own Brit jails, their own morgues. Um, by morgues, I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's a huge like area. I think it holds like like three bodies or something like that. But still, that's uh, how many people near death are going on cruises, guys? Well, think about all the old people from Florida going on cruises. I'm not surprised, but man, yeah, it's um, I don't know. I def a lot of uh, the ocean itself for the burials. It's complex. I'll be honest. I was kind of overwhelmed, and I kind of backed away from that because maritime life has is its is its own ecosystem. So it's uh I don't know. I been I mainly focused on land burials slash cremations slash being eaten slash being sent to space slash being made into things. There's a lot of fucking weird things done with bodies, Nick. Yeah, I mean we have we have a lot of them. We don't know what to do with them. It's it is, I feel like it's a huge problem. It's not a problem in that we don't have a solution. We got a lot of solutions. It's just a problem in that, fuck, there's a lot of us. And, and there's only so much space. Do you ever think we'll have, uh, sorry, I'm kind of getting the philosophical side of it. Uh, do you ever think we'll have buoys in the ocean to represent a tombstone of where someone was dropped off or they're into the ocean? A water I could graveyard? see something more like... We don't have physical buoys, but maybe you have like the Japanese QR code shit where you just like pass over and it's like ding, ding, ding. You just passed over Mike's grave in the Atlantic because it's so fucking small. You run over it every single time you try to get to the other side. I'm also wondering, I'm just ignoring that because fuck you. Uh, I'm also wondering if there's ever been an underwater graveyard. Like people just bury their bodies underwater and you have to use a scuba tank to walk through the graveyard. It's probably a graveyard that used to be dry. <laughs> Fair right? enough. Yeah. Sea level rise. Hey, maybe down in New Orleans, maybe there's New Orleans. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, those just come up out of the ground because it gets so fucking wet. So, yes. So, you're telling me there's a chance. Got it. Got it got there's it. a fucking chance. Well, Nick, I, I, I was hoping to switch. Unless you got any more different methods, I was hoping to switch to the more philosophical questions. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm, I think we... I think we covered methods i think we're good to go there i think it's safe to say there's a lot of methods <laughs> yeah we know what to do with bodies okay last thing on methods so you know how uh f- shit what's the is it formaldehyde what's the shit that we put into people formaldehyde keep, yeah do you know all the caskets that are buried now are wood concrete wood to keep all the chemicals inside oh that's disappointing so I didn't know that. I thought that was interesting. All right, but now, well, now philosophy. Now I'm now I'm remembering that there's concrete and metal. Fuck, what's it called? Ca- now I'm remembering that there's concrete and metal caskets from radioactive <laughs> victims. I don't know why I thought you were going to say catheters. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's a hell of a way to die. That's the that's the new British way to attack if people are dead. No shit. That wakes anyone up. <laughs> there are some people who are buried in a metal box and covered in concrete, which is a great way to, if you're a vampire or if you're a radioactive victim. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of disturbing. My question to you, Nick, is should we mourn the dead? Like we, like you said, a lot of our funeral rituals are for the living about the dead. Should we care? Or should we just be like, they, were, they lived a good life, they died, goodbye. And then that's it. Very cold cut. Yeah, I mean, it, I think we definitely should mourn the dead. I mean, I, I really think it boils down to what you believe happens after death. Like we talked about how... A lot of these cultures, some believe that death is the end, and others believe that death is the beginning of the afterlife. And I think it's going to be individual to each person. I don't think it's healthy to not mourn the dead. That seems like a serial killer thing you got going on. Uh, not calling you out, but also not not calling you out. Like, um, no, I mean, I think there should be some mourning for sure. Uh, I, I just don't. I guess I'd, I'm super confused on whether I'm at the beginning. I don't know if death is the beginning or the end still. I, don't, I haven't figured that out yet. I haven't even got to the the whole mourning phase. Mm. Well, let me give you a little bit easier question then. Do you think we should let the dead rest? And what I mean is with the graves we find 78,000 years ago, do we have the right to unearth those graves and study them? Because obviously the people who still love them are still alive, there'd be issue, but let's say it's 200 years ago. Do we have the right to unearth a grave, say even 100 years ago? Okay, so this is a very interesting question, and it kind of brings back a lot to the art and artist thing, I I feel like. And so the example I'm going to give is uh, totem poles that you put the dead on the top of. The Canadian government, they decomposed, the skull, you know, bones fell out. The Canadian government thought the thing to do was to bury the bones. It was not the right thing to do for the culture. And uh, so obviously the the tribe was upset at the Canadian government. And it's I feel like it's very similar to the art versus artist thing where it's like when you don't know the artist, 
you know, you can't judge the art uh, based on like, you know, where you would judge modern art of say like, oh my gosh, this is reflective of whatever was going on at the time. It's like, we don't know what the fuck was going on at the time. So how do we judge and say, okay, like we know these people's culture says we can't touch those bones, but so much time has passed that it's just okay to touch these people's bones. I mean, personally, as someone who I, I think it's after, you know, any living relatives or cultural relatives, whatever you want to call it, like say, for example, you know, you have a certain group of people and they care for these, the grave site and maybe it's 500 years old. They don't know the people, but they still care for it. It's still active in the culture in our modern time. Okay, cool. Maybe we, we don't disturb that, but once there's no living remnants, I feel like the the knowledge we could gain outweighs the the harm we're doing, you know, to the gravesite. But that's just because I am not in a culture that believes that disturbing a gravesite is going to fuck me up for life. So that you know, it's it's hard to say. Well, it's not even just fuck you up for life. It's also just a respect thing. I think every culture, in some form or matter, respects their dead. I feel like that's a very human trait of honor and respect thy dead. And I'm I'm quite torn on this because I like your analogy if there's still people maintaining the site to let it be. Because I'm thinking like the uh, Catholic Roman Church, you know, they, there's saints and stuff like that. They still, you know, clean the graves that are over 500 years old. Though there are no living relatives, there's no stuff like that, but 500 years seems like a far enough distance, too. It's just, I don't know. Because the scientist in me is like, oh, man, coming across a tomb, you know, coming across all these, you know, could be treasures, could be the knowledge we learned, the how these people lived. The knowledge gained is untouchable. But at the same time, that was someone's life. They lived... They maybe had children. They said, saw things and did things we could never think of. And to disturb the bones, it's, I think it should be done in the sake of science, but should be done with respect and also with caution. We shouldn't do it as willy-nilly. Like, um, I don't know why. I, it, feel, it feels like a very, you should have a tradition, a very, not tradition, not tradition a ceremonial aspect to unearthing a grave so what it kind of reminds me of is, is two things one i forget when and and not to just constantly shit on the english which is i didn't plan on this but say 19th century people uh, europeans were i think it's 19th century not entirely certain but definitely not the 20th but people were going to egypt and digging up mummies bringing the mummies back to Europe and England, and uh, the wealthy would unwrap the mummies, and then they would snort the tissue of the mummies, and which is just another you know form of, of grave robbery, which is continued and, through and eat the mummies. time, and eat the mummies because they believe they you know were special. I mean, and so you know we we look with these glasses of saying, oh, like, if we don't disturb them, nothing's going to happen. That's not true. If we don't do it the right way, someone could come along and auction those bones off for 
you know, a fuck a prophet, and then those bones are lost forever to humanity, and only one you know person gets to see them. So we act like the only enemy we're fighting is time, but we're also fighting ourselves. We are our own worst enemy, and we're, we've been our own worst enemy. We'll continue to be our own worst enemy. So I, I do think it's it's important that in an ideal world all these grave sites get into the right hands. Now, I, I don't entirely know who that is, but I know who it's not. Obligatory, the English uh, <laughs> British Museum comment. But no, that's not who I was, <laughs> I was thinking. Just, you know, it's we like to pretend that if we don't act, that everything's just going to stay the same. And that's a, it's a problem we have, humans have, with not just graves from everything. And it doesn't work because we are our own worst enemy, we're going to fuck it up. So I do think that there is an importance. I mean, there there's a reason why countries who have, like, old shit, very much unlike the United States, like, really old shit, have, like, antiquities police. It's because it, it's important to keep that stuff, you know, maintain that, that history and, and the fact that to keep that relics of the past into the hands of the people and out of the hands of the few so i think we both agree we should respect the tombs just to try to learn from them try to share them with the world but making sure we're not just doing it willy-nilly yeah i mean i think if anything has been stressed in this episode besides the ash and banana <laughs> paste it's respect for the dead uh well i got one more philosophical question for you and I unfortunately think it's going to become a reality, and I don't know how I feel about it, but virtual video game graveyards. We already have things called ghost apps, which will mimic and act like your dead lost one to, quote-unquote, go through your mourning mourning process to talk with the ones you already lost so you could say goodbye to them, which, boy, it's kind of creepy, but I don't see how we don't get to a video game graveyard a video game a virtual world simulation i do of a funeral i i really don't the reasons i play video games to be happy <laughs> reasons i don't play video games to be sad i feel i feel like that's well do that you just, play horror games no oh i play star wars games and tom clancy games well not I's, about that life. Uh, I just like sometimes uh, scary and horror games. Um, but I can see people because look, if we looked at COVID, COVID we had Zoom funerals, which is really weird to think about. So how much longer until like uh you know you know how you know when a celebrity dies they have these like mass parade funerals? How long until it's like a virtual tour of a funeral where you throw on your VR goggles and you go to the funeral, you go to the graveyard, you go to their memorial in the virtual space. Probably not super long, but uh, I mean, I I just don't, man, it's just, it's hard to uh, imagine a world where we go to someone's funeral in in virtual reality. Like that, that seems like that should be an in-person thing. You would think, but cultures change, times change, technologies advance. It's ever-growing, ever-changing. Don't know. Just uh, food for thought. But that's all I have for my flexible questions. Except that, also, the fucking death industry is a racket. I did not realize how much money is in death. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to side with the, the industry on this one just because I feel like that's been going on way before the, you know, all the funeral homes and shit started. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with you. If, if, if I have someone I love die, I want them to be respected and taken care of properly. And I'll willing to pay, I'll, I'll pay to make sure that happens. So we kind of talked about it. The other thing I want to talk about is how we view bodies, right? So we kind of, oh, and the, every, I mean, maybe it's just our culture, but the burial of human bodies is something that's, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily sacred for people who aren't religious, but it's definitely super important, right? And, and the thought I use is, Going back to say, talk about war crimes, like mass graves, why are they so much worse than individual graves? It's because there's no individuality to it. And you don't have to be, you know, religious or something to, to see that. Now, and I don't know if part of the reason mass graves are so bad is that it's usually used, you know, to cover up whatever or, or was in fact a horrible crime. But there's, it, it kind of reminds me of talking about absolute versus versus relative morality of this is wrong like I don't entirely know why but I know this is wrong and I'm just kind of trying to bring the parallels between absolute morality of of what we know is wrong and right to kind of the burial side and I feel like we you know we talked about like the cremation everyone's ashes go in the same place but they're just to me there seems something wrong and I don't know if that's just the way the culture I grew up in, or if that's wrong, I was curious what your kind of thoughts on that were. I am very much a individualist. I think um, if you really want to protect people and showcase people, you protect the individual rights, not the group rights, because a group is made of of individuals. It's it almost dehumanizes them if you just clump them together. It's you take away that they were an individual. You take away that they had a whole life. Much like, you know, archaeologists digging up a dead body. You forget that they felt, they tasted, they drank, they slept, they laughed, they cried. In a mass grave, it's just like a clump of flesh. And we know on a base level that's not right. We know that if it was someone we loved, we wouldn't want that to happen to them. We know and respect throughout histories. I mean, if you look at the Iliad, to the Tales of Gigalesh, to Gigalmesh, sorry, to modern times gilgamesh you mean one of the first stories of trees mike all right we're gonna move on uh we have heroes kings queens we have we we love the individual we aspire to be the individual the one the name that outlasts our bones and to remove that possibility to be forgotten throughout history i think scares a lot of people and i think that's a major issue is that they will be forgotten and that death is the final thing. I think de- the, the fear of death and being forgotten is what drives a lot of our rituals. So I got another question for you. Do you think we bury bodies to protect society from the corpse or to protect the corpse itself? Sorry, could you repeat that? Okay, so do we bury bodies or you know whatever? Do we dispose of bodies in order to protect society from the body or do we bury bodies to protect the body itself do you think it's more what's good you know keep the dead away from us or protect the body from you know 
nature, whatever happens to it, and and helping us emotionally. I mean, what do you think was the main driver? Do you think the main driver of, of the burial ritual was get this, you know, body with death and disease out of here? Or do you think it was to protect uh, the body itself? Is that this seems wrong to do this, so we should do this to honor them? I think it was protect the individual dead body. The main reason is I believe we started burying bodies when we were nomadic before agricultural purposes. So we were doing that purpose as we were traveling. And I, I imagine that's a major reason. The reason why you put rocks on top of a body is to mark it and also to stop the scavenging. When we got further on and started having cities and towns, I think it's shifted from in from not harming the individual, but now not harming the society. So that that but that tradition kept going of burying them. So the reason why we put people six feet underneath is because that's the bare minimum so they don't smell. That's a societal aspect. We started doing more cremations. That might be a ceremonial thing, that might be a space thing. I'm not quite sure on that one. That one kind of throws a wrench in my plan. But I think it started off in as making sure the person who's died's body is safe and protected. And it just stuck with us, but it morphed into now we do it for societal reasons based on how we do it. Because we're not now, we're not burying people two feet deep and covering them in rocks and having huge rock mounds. We're having a specified area. We did a lot of chemicals and luckily we're starting to stop doing that. And we're burying them a certain depth so they don't smell. That all sounds like preventing disease, preventing uh carcass rot from getting into a water system and bringing uh, animals into our community that we don't want all right my last question we kind of talked about it but we talked about how some burials mark the end and some mark the beginning do you think and we we kind of touch on this in the reincarnation episode we did but do you think death is the beginning of a journey or the end of a journey oh what a dangerous question nick uh what's your opinion on it personally i i think it's the end i don't think there's anything that happens after life which is why i think it's important to live like a good life and be fucking excited about everything but i would in an ideal afterlife i'd like to think that you can you know instant replay your life see the good parts watch your family you know i mean i i think that would be ideal realistically i i I think it's just the the end but no one knows so (laughs) guess i'll find out and hopefully not soon let's hope for not soon nick let's hope for not soon we need you to keep planting trees what about you what do you think my first opinion is there is no afterlife death comes she takes you and the lights go out permanently though a part of me in an irrational part doesn't know why but maybe thinks different parts of our body go into interdimensions that we can't physically comprehend because there's more than four dimensions that we all live in every single day. Maybe we transfer to parallel universe. Maybe the belief in gods create gods' existences so that they have the afterlife. They have the Valhallas, the heavens, the hells, etc., etc. It's romantic to travel through a journey going past the river Styx or going through a trial in court in Egypt after you're dead. But I think that's just stories that we tell ourselves 
to keep the nightmares at bay, that death will just end. And when our eyes close, they close forever. Well, way to end on a downer. <laughs> I mean... Fuck, I won't ask next time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, when you do die, I'll make sure the doctor blows smoke up your ass to make sure your eyes <laughs> open back up. At least I got that going for me, which Ooh, is nice. You know what? I'm surprised. I never come across or I've never heard of any cultures that cut the eyelids off a person so that their eyes are wide open throughout, so their eyes are never closed. And also, fun fact, uh, people, this might disturb you. Uh, most bodies die with their eyes open, FYI. Uh, and even when rigor mortis comes in, it's really hard to close eyes. Like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing to close eyes after they're dead. And they really stay fucking open and wide. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the smell of death, there's there's really no other way to describe it. Yeah, that's why you burn incense and bury him six feet down. But, Nick, that's all I got, unless you have anything more. Nope. Uh, before we get out of here, Mike, what are you reading? I am about halfway through Geometry for Ocelots by Excurbia, and boy, it is a fantastic book. I, it's making me laugh it's made it's actually surprised me a few times i was getting some work done on my car and i audibly gasped while waiting for my car it's i highly recommend it's uh it's a uh, brave new world meets alice in wonderland and what about you my friend what are you reading i am slacking first off uh i <laughs> i haven't picked up my book and continue reading in maybe um, two months now, but I am got a bookmark in uh, wood, something about like the f- civilization's most important tool or how wood helped form civilization, something like that by Roland Enos. Last I checked, it was still pretty good. Uh, sometimes it's a long walk for a short drink of water, but I've enjoyed it so far. Just haven't had the time to f- to finish reading it. Good to know. Good to know. And I have a question for anyone listening this far. What are weird traditions or what's a weird tradition you'd be okay with your body having in its final party? And Nick, where can they tell us their answers to our questions? You can tell us on Reddit and Instagram. And who knows, maybe Twitter one day. Yeah, we might have to bite our tongue because if if Twitter changes for the good, we we might be able to... We'll support that. Yeah, yeah. We we like free speech. Yeah, yeah. We're we're you're, I'm Nick. I think we both agree that you should be free to do what you want with your body and free to speak what you want. And even if you're dead, maybe write some stuff down. And with that weird note, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.